0: welcome to therapy is dope with alicia and julie let's make self-help fun again but no seriously laughter is the best medicine
1: come and join us as we introduce new ways of thinking and being and hopefully get you laughing along the way what's up what's up what's up (laughs) hi everybody so we're on an,
0: another episode, never brilliant episode of Therapy is Dope with Alicia and Julie. And this week we're talking about inner child trauma, which honestly, this topic changed my entire life. So I have, I, I could rant and rave about this topic. I love this and I truly feel that everybody needs to go through this type of therapy, but I don't know. That's just me. What do you think?
1: I mean, I, I don't. I'll be honest, I don't call any of the therapy that I'm doing um, inner child trauma work, but I think that it all kind of relates back to that. I think when you experience trauma, you have to address it. And a part of addressing it is addressing those feelings that that inner child experienced and continues to hold on to. Right. Right. But before we really dive into this, let's describe, like, what does inner
0: child trauma mean to you?
1: To me? Or to you?
0: Uh, To us. Oh, to us. (laughs) Will you start. Well, to me, it really means that you have, uh, in a sense, another, like, psychological person um, that you that you have built your decisions upon kind of right so let's say you had this trauma that happened um between and I really based on a definition that I learned it from which is from Wu Wei Wisdom and it's it's um it's ran by a married couple David and Alexander Lee And they're so amazing, they're from England and um, they describe it as like a, almost kind of like another person. Um, Because this trauma that happens between, they they say between like six and nine or something that usually happens, then they create a story. So this inner child kind of creates a story of saying, like let's say at six they're at school and someone goes, oh my God, you're so ugly. And for some reason that six year old believes whatever that child, the other person said, and said, okay, then I really am that person. So moving forward, um, that, moving forward, thinking about what that story meant, you know, to that person, creates the image of that person,
1: you know? The way they see themselves. Mm, This is going back to our very first episode. Yeah, so then you see yourself as
0: ugly, just in this example, right, as ugly, um, until you become mature enough to understand or your mind becomes mature enough to understand that, hey, when I was six and the other six-year-old called me ugly, it's because that other six-year-old just was just saying something or maybe they were traumatized and they spread out, whatever the reason, it doesn't matter. But when I was six years old and I heard I'm ugly, I, I'm i now mature enough to understand I could choose to believe it or choose not to believe it, right? And I think you have to, your adult mind or your more mature mind could go back to that inner child mind and, and correct those stories so that you could move forward and live in a more healthier, happier lifestyle.
1: Yes. Okay. So I think the language, I think the concept is, is, the exact same in the way that I operate with people it's I just don't use the same language and the reason that I choose not to use that language is because I feel like it's a turnoff for people sometimes and not for everybody but um, I think that some people are like what are you talking about doing inner child trauma work Uh, but long story short what you're explaining is that developmentally when you're really little we don't have the capacity to to process things fully we have a very limited understanding we have a very limited use of our brain our brain isn't fully developed so we don't have the capacity to think about things at 6 years old in the same way that we can think about them as adults so things that we built our perception of ourselves on as a child we might view very differently when we become adults and that's absolutely true and there are many different parts of ourselves so I believe in the old school models of them saying that you have like the ego and part of an id and Mm -hmm. all of that so we all have a child inside of us whether you want to call it the id or you want to call it the inner child, we all have parts of our childhood with us still as adults. That's just that's what thing. I agree with. Yeah. And
0: I and I agree that the inner child trauma to people that aren't haven't drank the Kool-Aid <laughs> and they're like, What is that? It it could be a turnoff because they're like, That sounds so frou fru or that sounds so therapy-ish that I it doesn't it, like speak it to speak to me in layman terms. Right. And sometimes when people say the ego or the id, they're like, OK, no, 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 that also is a turn off. So it, it's basically just trauma that happened when you were younger that you believe
1: now. Yeah. And those beliefs really stick with us because of the uh, intensity of the event at the time. Yeah. And it doesn't have
0: to be inner child or it doesn't have to be your id or whatever. You could just say, there's a story that I believe about myself and that's why I live the way I do. So why not address that story so you could be happier?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think everybody's got baggage. Like you don't go through life and come out completely unscathed. Like there's different degrees of baggage, I guess you could say. But everybody's baggage is important to them. So everybody's whatever it is that you experienced as a kid that impacted you is important because that's what impacted you.
0: Yeah, and there isn't. And I really like that because I'm sure that people, you know, survivors or, or people that that quote unquote has gone through an unscathed life or whatnot, to them, it's not unscathed. You know, and you can't judge whether or not one trauma is stronger than the other. It's if it's important to you, it's important to you, period. That's it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And everybody suffers in this life. And some people might say, well, I've suffered more. And maybe that's true. But when you, but you have to think about the plane that you're comparing things to. So if your life's always been super smooth and super easy. And then there's a, a small bump in the road. It might seem like a small bump to everybody else. But to you, that might be like, whoa, what the hell is this? Why is there <laughs> a bump in my road? So, you know, it's all relative. It depends on what your experiences have been. Yeah. Or
0: honestly, you could even think that your plane is very smooth, but it's actually like, you know, dimpled with all this trauma that you realize, oh, that's not that
1: bad because you just have high tolerance of whatever, right? Uh, I remember a girl telling me her story once. And I guess I, I'm very genuine in sessions. So I was making a face like, oh, God, that sounds bad. And she looked at me and she was like, oh, what? I'm sure you've heard worse than this. And I was like, first of all, your story is pretty bad. And second, it <laughs> doesn't ever get easier to hear. Like everybody's story still impacts me and I can still have a a genuine shocked reaction because i still get shocked i still get thrown off like whoa that happened that's crazy yeah
0: it's it's also another question kind of tangent to this but yeah you must be hearing a lot of stories because you have all these clients all the time and you're you know talking to all these people and they're just being super vulnerable and super exposed to you uh yeah does it ever get old old it's Like, does oh, it ever be really like, oh, cute. I kind of heard
1: this before. Okay, let's see where this goes, you know? Oh, no, I never feel that way. Everybody's story is so unique. And everybody's so unique as individuals. It's so interesting. Um, You know, we have criteria that we kind of, like, try to box people into, but there's a lot of people that I really can't fit into a box.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they're, like, maybe 40% this box, 20% this box, 80%. You know my math is not right, calculating right, (laughs) you see my 40, 20, 80, what is that, anyways, so um, I'm sure that there are, that's what happens, you know, and and the problem is, I think also, there's trauma when it comes to that, because there isn't a go-to fix, there isn't like, give me, give me these steps, and and get me out of this, it's like, no, that doesn't work, I wish it did, because honestly, if there was a light switch, and it was like, oh,
1: happy, sad, you just switch it to happy, you're good, yeah that would be easy i was watching um i was looking up tiktoks for a client because he doesn't get on tiktok and i was like dude there's a lot of good information on there so i was (laughs) looking up some they were on uh motivational hacks like how do you get yourself motivated oh okay and it was funny because almost all of them were like you need to exercise blah 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 and i'm thinking well, you have to get motivated to exercise in the first place. Like Yeah. <laughs> you're saying how do you take the first step? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hold on a second. I feel like we skipped something here.
0: <laughs> so, That's
1: funny. But you're right. There is no like protocol. There's no protocol for how to feel better. There's no protocol for how to deal with trauma. Um, I mean there are protocols that exist. There's EMDR and ART and all these different Trauma therapies, and they have protocols that go with them, uh, but realistically, I personally am not a protocol person just because I don't think that everybody can can fit into a protocol
0: yeah, but I also think that there are millions of protocols out there because one of them might fit you and or might fit you up to a point, right, yes. and that's the whole inner child trauma. I think there was there's a theory. Um, there's a protocol in this Wu Wei wisdom, one that I used, and it was called the golden thread. And basically you just, it's a series of why questions to get you to that, that one, that the, the, you know, the um, soul of the story, the really the kernel of the story that you've been listening to and making your decisions as an adult based on this trauma. So, it basically is why do you believe in that? Why do you believe that? Why do you believe that? You keep asking yourself until you go, oh, it's because when I was six, that child told me that story and I believed Marcus and Marcus said that I was ugly. And I had a crush on Marcus at the time. So my six-year-old mind was like, oh, I must be ugly. That's why he doesn't like me. Oh. Or that's why he told me that. Whatever it was, I'm making up Marcus. Fuck Marcus. Oh. <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like whatever the story is, right? Yeah. Okay. And if you do that to everything that made you feel bad, because anything that makes you feel bad could be identified as trauma. No.
1: They, they say that according to the DSM, no, the DSM has very specific criteria for what trauma is, but in the world of psychology, we say that there's little T traumas and there's big T traumas. So yes, The answer would be yes. It'd be a little T trauma. Yeah, because anything that made you sad, you could be like, "Oh, that was."
0: If you really think about it, we're just covered in trauma. It's it's how we cope with it, or how we how we learn from it, right? That um gets us to the other side. And there was another motivational speaker, and she said, "You know, without trauma, I think it was um Glendale, uh, Glendon, Glendon Doyle." She said, "Without." the pain, there's no growth. So if you don't go through the pain there, you won't grow. So you're not allowing yourself to grow without it. So don't be afraid of it.
1: Well, I'm still afraid of it. I'm not going to lie, but then again, I'm an anxious person. So we have to remember (laughs) that. Um, But yes, I do believe that. And I will say that having heard so many stories and having worked with so many people, most of the time, my clients are able to come to the beauty in their story themselves. Like I usually will point it out, but I usually don't have to. They usually have already thought about it and realized it. And, you know, there's a time and a place for for picking out the silver lining in things, because when people first start working on their trauma, they don't see any good in it. And they, they don't want you to tell them that any good came out of it because that's going to piss them off.
0: Hmm. I could see that. I could see that because now that I've gone through it, but if I, if someone said, don't worry, you know, something came out of you being molested at six years old and that's what happened with me. Right. If someone told me that when I first was like, I need to work on this, I'd be like, are you a psychopath and crazy and also have no empathy for children? Yeah. Like how, how would you mean good could come from a molested child, a six-year-old child?
1: It- right. Exactly. that's exactly it like it sounds terrible to say that yeah but now I look at look back at it and go hey
0: I'm I'm, we just need to focus on the positive right like there isn't I'm not justifying what happened I'm not saying that I'm glad it happened uh, but I've learned from it and I'm stronger because of it and because I'm so happy who I am today, maybe those traumas that happened in my life had to have happened. And If it didn't happen, would I be a different person? And I wouldn't want to risk me being a different person by removing that trauma.
1: Oh, that was so beautifully said. No, I'm
0: yeah. glad this record is so I can listen to it again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we say such beautiful things and it would go, what was it again? Oh man, I wish you could write that down. Yeah, we'll have to listen to this again uh but yeah i definitely agree with what you're saying and and sometimes people change the direction of their lives to do work related to their trauma and that's huge like that's a big impact for example i can say like um this one lady i worked with her son had died in a drunk driving accident so mm. that she joined Uh, mothers against drunk drivers, and was going around sharing speeches about you know what happened to her son, and that became a big part of who she was. So it never, of course, took away the pain of the loss of her son, but she was able to hopefully impact a a lot of other people's lives because of what she did.
0: Yeah, that's cute. That's a nice story. Yeah, and I think that's what happens. Remember that. That the guy that uh, that ran that TV show that was finding all these criminals, remember? Yeah. Um, it was his, It was his son that got kidnapped.
1: Oh, okay. That's actually the same story of one of the judges here in Tampa. His daughter overdosed. And so now he works in drug court and he sends people to treatment and tries to help people get sober. And it's hard for him. And you can see it. Like, it gets really emotional in the courtroom sometimes. Oh wow! Uh, he'll have to step off the, the bench and go take a break and things like that. But, wow. you know, it's something he's really passionate about because he doesn't want to keep seeing people die.
0: Wow. That's really, that's incredible. And for him to, you know, to face that, people cope in different ways. You know, you don't have to like face, he's, he's probably like really aggressive in that period of time. You could flood flood yourself in those things, right? Um, I don't think you should run away from it, but I also think you take your time in facing it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think we usually want the discomfort to go away quickly, but that's just not the way it always goes. And we have to be patient with ourselves through whatever process we require. Yeah, because I know for me, I had
0: to watch a bunch of YouTube videos. So I basically watched this Wu Wei YouTube video, and I'm not being sponsored, so I'm not being paid or anything. Uh, But I watched just a ton of these videos. Then I then I joined a seminar of theirs. Then I did a um, you know, did a couple of sessions, and then I started doing it myself. Then I actually had a friend um go go through some stuff, so I actually recommended that, and she watched some videos, and it made sense to her. So me and her actually started getting together and doing golden thread therapies for each other to each other and that really helped me a lot so we did that probably like 20 20 and probably like 30 times or something and it really helped me cope with what I didn't realize um that I carried with me you know and and those are steps that I took but it took me a while to face it um before I was able to talk about it like I needed to watch all those YouTube videos I needed to kind of talk to myself about it journal to myself about it uh and then I was ready to open up to other people um what what would you recommend when it comes to those steps of facing your own trauma
1: I'm trained in narrative therapy which is narrative therapy is uh similar to what you just described so usually it starts with like you talking to the therapist about it or journaling about it if you don't want to talk to the therapist then you can journal yourself about it and then you basically write your story and you write everything that happened and then you keep working on it until you feel like you can share that story with somebody else and then that's part of the narrative therapy is sharing the story with not just your therapist but another person and through that process, you're doing a couple things. So when you experience a trauma, your parasympathetic nervous system becomes hypersensitive essentially and hyperactive. So when you think about your trauma, it goes right back to as if it was happening again and your whole body experiences panic or whatever those emotions were that you had at that moment. So when you're repeatedly going through something with yourself and and other people, then you're basically exposing yourself to that information and helping the brain adjust to that information until Mm. it gets to the point where you can talk about it without having that reaction. Mm. And then usually healing occurs further because you're getting a healthy reaction from your therapist. Whereas a lot of times when people share their traumas with other people, they do not get healthy reactions at all. They get, terrible yeah, like, reactions. Oh my God. Or like, why would you do that? Right? Yeah. Um, so then they feel even worse about it and they, they get this message that they shouldn't share it with anybody. And so then they just bury it deeper. Mm. and uh. So there's additional healing going on just by getting a empathetic response from someone. And then when you share it with the person who's not the therapist, of course, we're doing a vetting process to make sure that this person is a safe person to share this information with. And then that can be really healing too. Like a lot of times it'll be like their mom or their boyfriend or someone like that. And then when that person has their reaction, it's an additional layer of healing.
0: Yeah. And I think with mine, without even realizing I was doing it, I guess when we first did it, I said, hey, I I noticed you were going through a lot of pain or that's hard for you. You know, like why don't we be each other's therapist? Because she didn't really she never gone to a therapist before. And I have, I've had years of experience with a therapist, um, and she didn't like the fact that she had to share something so intimate to a stranger because she'd never felt like that person could really know her and know her history versus a friend. I've known this friend for like 20 years. So she's like, you know me so well, you know, my family, you know, my history. So when we do share, it's on a different level, right? Um, even though I still think a therapist would be best just because their expertise in, uh, in just uh, expertise in education of all these protocols that you could be available you know, to, to help them heal. Um, but she needed to do that. And the good thing is when we started, I think we, we kind of assumed and, or talked about being empathetic to each other. So we came in vulnerable. We both came in going, hey, we're gonna expose a lot of dark secrets. So let's just be on each other's side.
1: I have a mug that a friend bought me and it says, good friends are cheaper than therapy. Yeah. And at first I was like, wait a second, good friends are not the same as therapists, but I do believe that sometimes they can be. If somebody is safe emotionally and they're giving you the appropriate responses, which honestly can be very intuitive, they can be very intuitive. They don't, it's not, doesn't have to be like something you study. <laughs> Yeah, right. So if you have someone like that in your life, then sometimes that does supplement or even replace therapy. And I'm not necessarily saying that people don't need to go to therapy, but I'm saying good friends do play a major role in our healing process sometimes.
0: Absolutely. And if you don't have the funds for therapy, then Definitely do that. But even if you don't have the funds for it, there are therapy uh, therapy out there available at very low cost. Like Better Help does it really well, Zoom, and also um I know that there are grants that the federal government, federal and state on a state level, uh provides uh these low cost uh therapy centers.
1: Yes, there's also uh Open Path Collective, and Open Path Collective puts private therapists in their network that have agreed to accept patients for between $30 and $60. Wow. You're pretty much not going to find it cheaper than that. I mean, some of our clients co-pays are $30 or $60. So right, definitely like the best price point I think that exists. What was that again? Open Path Collective. I've never heard of that. Is that nationwide, like on Zoom type of thing, or what is it? I believe so, yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. I've referred a lot of people to it. I mean, if you have Medicaid, you get therapy for free. So that's like poverty line, right? And then if you are above the poverty line, Open Path Collective is probably the next cheapest option. And then you have options like BetterHelp or Talkspace or, you know, whatever. And then, of course, if you have insurance, I believe it was Obama who made it so that insurances were required to cover mental health, because prior to him, it was if you had really good health insurance, it would cover mental health. But uh, I'm pretty sure it was Obama who put it in place that insurance has to cover mental health now. Oh, really? Really? And a lot of companies, if you're a full-time employee, a lot of companies have EAP benefits, which is Employee Assistance Program. And you can use EAP for literally anything that's going on in your life. And most companies pay for between three to six free sessions. Some companies, Apple, Apple pays for 15 free sessions. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So some companies go all out. And you could do, if even if you do one every other week,
0: 15 sessions covers you know, like 60% of the year. Yeah. And yep. you're not going to go every other week, let's say, because there's holidays or you're on vacation or whatever, right?
1: Yeah. So you can really, that can really
0: last. And I remember in colleges, um, there was a free like therapy oh. uh, department. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you could go whenever you want when you're in college, even if the community college as well.
1: Yep. That's true. I work with the EAP for the community college. They offer free sessions to their clients. And then um, USF over here has a student center for therapy. And it's mostly students that are like in school for psychology and stuff like that. But it's still like, Full assessments and the full resource. They have a psychiatry, they have everything. And then UT, which is the private university here in Tampa, they have licensed therapists, I believe, at their facility. So, but it really, I think the first step, if
0: you want, you know, um, help with this, the first step, if you don't want to do therapy, or whatnot, you could just do self research. First step is like you could YouTube things or start journaling. Or just just do one thing, even if it's the smallest little thing, to look, to t- spend time and say,
1: why do I feel the way that I feel? I know I was saying earlier about TikTok. I've learned a lot from the mental health side of TikTok. <laughs> and I, as you know, I've been in this field a long time and there's still always new information coming out. And I've learned a lot from TikTok. In addition, YouTube, like you mentioned, has literally any topic that you can think of. And you want to like do a little bit of fact checking here and there to make sure you're not just buying PBS, but there's good information out there. My clients share stuff with me all the time. Oh, podcasts, not to mention, have lots of Uh, (laughs) like therapy is dope. Are you trying to say that? Yeah, there's a lot of good self-help books, too. And just like you were saying, journaling, that's a powerful tool that people, I don't think people realize, at least what I've noticed, nobody really likes to write with their hand anymore, but there's, there's really something about writing that helps Mm -hmm. us process things in a different way. I only journal when it's a pen to paper. I can't. I journal on my phone
0: sometimes when I'm like when I'm not at a place where I could sit down with a pen and paper right know I don't have a notepad with me or something. So I'll do it in my phone under notes and if you feel like someone's gonna watch it, just as soon as you write it all down, delete it. You know, because sometimes you just need to anchor those thoughts. And that's how that's why journaling makes sense to me. Cause I I envision my thoughts floating around like crazy above me, right? So they're just floating and and and, and imagine like a, my head is connected to all these lines, almost like these spider web lines. And then these thoughts are these bubbles above me and they're and everything's floating around. So these lines are getting entangled in each other. Um and the the, the thoughts are hitting each other, th- thought bubbles are hitting each other. And it's just getting kind of crazy. So when I journal, it feels like I'm grabbing one thought and bringing it down, anchoring it into this piece of paper. And then I just explain why that made, what why why I felt the way I felt about this thought. Then I keep going. Then I grab another thought and I do that and I do that and I do that. And then all Then it's not so chaotic in my head.
1: Yeah, I think for me, There's been times when I really don't understand why I'm feeling a certain way. And so I just start writing about it. And then before you know it, I'm like, okay, I do understand this. And now I have a responsibility (laughs) in it. So what's my responsibility and how do I do this? And sometimes I would literally end my journal um, entries by saying help. Because (laughs) I was like, I don't really know how to do anything about this, but I know I want to.
0: And honestly, that's, you You don't have to do it and always have an answer at the end. And I think that's perfect for you to to share, you know, because sometimes when I journal, I still don't know that, I'm still just as frustrated or I'm usually less frustrated, but sometimes I, I'm still like, um, uh, you know, anxious about that. And when you write, you know, even you saying help makes me feel like maybe I should write help within in mine because <laughs> it makes, because because you could go back to it or it makes you feel like all right somebody's listening and maybe that someone is me and it's going to open something in your head I don't know that was that's I like that a lot
1: going back to the inner child thing I want to say that because children are so egocentric we always think that whatever's going on in our lives is because of us so that's just the developmental stage of like an elementary school age child that mm-hmm. everything is about them. Like my daughter will say things like, Oh, I shouldn't have left the door open. This would never have happened. I'm like, dude, it has nothing to do with <laughs> you. Like, please let that go. So uh because of that, the things that we experience as children, we often take with us and and take responsibility for and we don't and we take them very personally and we don't understand that marcus may have said you were ugly because he's never seen a person who looks like you before or because or he actually might like me or he might like you because that's what little boys do sometimes there's so many other options of what that could have meant or what that could have been about maybe he was in a bad mood or maybe he heard his mother say don't be ugly. Or, you know, there's so many different things. He could have misunderstood what that meant. Oh, another thing that happened recently. Um, My daughter flicked off her teacher. (laughs) Her teacher said, bye, I'll see you later. And she goes, "Eh." the bird. And she did not know what she was doing. She had seen it from someone else and did not understand it. So the whole point that I'm saying here is that We don't have the capacity as children to consider all of the possibilities. Um, And even as adults, sometimes we can't consider all of the possibilities. It could be something we can't even think of, because there's literally like infinite possibilities of what could be going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So as little kids, like you were saying, we just tell ourselves a story. And then a lot of times that story sticks with us because we don't have the capacity to think about it any other way right and the way that that specific example
0: right and that way let's say if i really believed i was ugly and so when i would eat healthy things i'd be like it doesn't matter i'm going to be ugly anyway i might as well eat all this stuff and get fat mm. or if i if i'm starting to get into makeup i'm like oh does it really matter i'm so ugly it doesn't matter or if i'm doing presentation oh i'm so ugly no one's going to pay attention to me so if you take this story and you bring it to your adult life it really hinders a lot of things. And you don't even realize that you do. It's like this underlying um, voice in your head that comes up and goes, don't try that. You're so ugly. Or the guy's not going to like you. Why go online dating? What's the point? You're so ugly. No one's going to hit on you or no one's going to respond to you. So if you do those things, it's really going to limit you in so many ways. Um. So, so I feel, feel like journaling and those little things it just opens your mind and meditation um opens your mind to listening to those voices yeah just hear it say what are they what are they saying maybe you don't even realize you are ugly is a voice right but if you repetitively journal repetitively meditate to listen to yourself and you go wow that voice keeps coming up and that voice is wrong how do i correct it that's your first, that's literally the biggest thing. And that's what happened to me, I think, when it comes to, it was my fault. Because when I was, when I was six um, and I was uh, being molested and abused and everything, it, I, my abuser would always say, you know what, that's your fault, right? It's your fault. And I really believe that anything bad that happened was my fault. So going back to your daughter when the door was open, I 100% understand where she's coming from. Because I was like, it was my fault. I left the door open, it was my fault yeah oh was my fault that I got abused because I did this because I I, you know I wasn't doing being a good girl I wasn't you know whatever right yeah and uh and it stuck to me so much so that even in adulthood when things bad, when bad things happened I really would say oh that's my fault if I worked harder it would have been fine if I was prettier that would have been fine if I whatever I would have been fine
1: That's, that's an important point that you made in there, which is we have to be willing to be wrong. And as humans, for some reason, we will do anything to prove that we are right, including be miserable. We will be miserable just to prove that we are right. And part of healing is acknowledging that I could be wrong. I might not be right about this maybe this person wasn't giving me a dirty look. Maybe I misinterpreted their face. Maybe they were thinking about something else. Maybe they weren't even really looking at me. Maybe they were looking past me. You know, there's so many possibilities of what could be going on, but we like to be right. And so then we just hold on to whatever belief was our automatic belief.
0: I wonder why everybody wants to be right. Is it because like, if they feel right, they, have, they feel powerful or they feel in control because mm. if they're wrong, they don't have control over that feeling. Oh, what is it? What is it? I'm, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. Help me here. <laughs>
1: Help. Capital I letters. letters. I think it partially goes back to perfectionism and this like weird desire that we all have to be perfect. And if I'm wrong, then I'm not perfect and that's annoying. I can't do that. So, but it may, it might have something to do with control too. Like if I'm right, then I have a good grip on this situation and I can trust myself, right. which that's a whole other topic. Trusting yourself.
0: That by being a few episodes there. Yeah. We have so much to talk about. Like this world of therapy is insane. It is crazy. So,
1: but anyway, yeah, you gotta be willing to be wrong. And and let go of whether it's the control or the perfectionism or whatever's motivating you to a fear of being unintelligent. I don't know.
0: And whatever that means, because maybe the group in a family where everybody's like a Ph.D. graduate. Right. And then so being unintelligent or being wrong is the worst possible thing that you could be.
1: Yeah. But you know, that's interesting because, and again, we're adults, so we can think about this in a more expanded way. But if you think about science, for example, science fails more often than it succeeds. So if a scientist said, I have to be right, or I'm quitting, we would not have science.
0: You we wouldn't even have like business. We don't even have Amazon. We wouldn't have Apple. We wouldn't have, anything so if you think about it everybody fails like let's say in 100 attempts you you failed 100 times before you hit that whatever like amazon jeff bezos before that had jobs had other goals he failed up until he got amazon and i'm sure amazon was failing at some point and he had to you know me he had to figure it out and it it changed but you know everything was failing at some
1: point that's a good point you make because even if it's not the whole business that's failing, it may have been a portion of it. And I'm sure now that it's so big, it probably is still failing in certain departments. Oh, it fails. Well, um, I know that some of the remote distribution centers are just absolute mayhem. And some of the officials have said, like, we're not even sure how the packages get to the right place. <laughs> <laughs> it's such chaos. Um, and there's missing merchandise and things like that. So I'm sure that there's still failures that are going on in Amazon. And, and even if it's a overall successful company, there's failures all the time. That's just how life goes.
0: Yeah. I think Amazon did, they came out with Amazon fire and I think they put in like $50 million. Don't quote me. That's just some, it was a huge number, and Jeff Bezos was interviewed, and they're like, "Oh, are you are you bummed about the the failure of this?" He's like, "No, because if I failed, if I fail, this is just means that there's something bigger." Yeah, you know, and, and and that I think that's really what the perception of our lives has to be.
1: I agree completely. Like we've got to let go of this idea that things have to be a certain way, because failure is the best things come out of failure. Elon Musk was saying that as far as the spaceships were concerned, I watched a documentary where he was saying everything has to be so precise to get a rocket into space. And then if you want it to do something in space, you know, that's a whole other layer. So there's a lot of failures. But people...
0: Don't shine their light on the failures. They're so ashamed of failures. What we see in social media, what we see is we see everybody's highlight reel, but we don't see the behind the scenes reel. In reality, the behind the scenes is so much better. Yeah, it's covered in all these things, but come on, don't you want to hear a life of like... Of someone that went through the darkness, that got through the tunnel, and they, now they saw the light. But through the tunnel, it was really dark. It has it had potholes, it had bumps. It was had a you know like the roof, the cave was uh, it was caving in, whatever at some point. But going through that, once you get to the light, doesn't this this you know sweet taste sweeter, whatever what what it is right? The bitter without the bitter, the sweet doesn't taste as sweet.
1: Yes that's literally the yin and yang of life it's crazy i don't know if you saw that little movie inside out i'm telling you though disney they're doing a lot with psychology these days uh actually i don't even know if it was a disney movie i think it was anyway the point is the theme of the movie was you can't have joy without sadness
0: no inside out
1: yeah it's all about feelings i need to watch that it's really good it's really good it's got real science and real research behind it um, and a lot of the new kid movies do There's i love that that's out right now called luck it's not a disney movie either but it's so cute and it's basically about this girl who feels like she's always had bad luck in her life mm-hmm. and she really she finds a way to get good good luck and she really wants to share her good luck with a friend uh-huh. so she goes through this whole crazy process trying to get the good luck to her friend and you know things are going wrong the whole time but through the process she realizes that it's not so bad to have bad luck because she developed really good friendships through it oh yeah so she found the silver lining in her trauma <laughs> And she did have trauma. The beginning of that movie is so sad. You're like, oh, my God, what is happening? And it's like, and it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. Um, But yeah, we can work through our traumas, no matter what they are. I've heard some horrible stories, and I've seen people come through these things, and I've seen them find the beauty in their pain. and it does take work though and it takes commitment and it takes um, expanding your thoughts and being willing to think about things differently. No, I love that.
0: Yes. I oh, want a beautiful way of ending our podcast today. I still think we should continue talking about inner child trauma, but, but not because of that, because it's just part of therapy. Yeah. Like if we don't identify as that but we're going to always continue talking about it because there's always going to be um some a traumatic event in your history that we all need to release
1: i agree and and i don't think that we can continue our our work here without talking about it again i think it's just naturally going to come up so oh yeah for sure stay tuned everyone All right. And you'll find our podcast
0: on Apple and Google Podcasts everywhere. See you next week, guys. Yeah.